1: betmgm and game sense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices please gamble responsibly betmgm.com for terms and conditions must be 21 years of age or older to wager washington dc only please gamble responsibly gambling problem call (laughs) 1-800-GAMBLER It's now time for Cannabis Talk 101 with Blue, Joe Grande, and Mark and Craig Wasserman, the Pot Brothers at Law. We're the world's number one podcast for everything cannabis.
2: Hello and welcome to Cannabis Talk 101, the world's number one source for everything cannabis. My name is Blue. Alongside me is the world famous Joe Grande. Hello, brother. Missing in action are the Pot Brothers at Law, but Christine and Jade, the ladies of Cannabis Talk 101, are here. They're in Joe. action. Hello. Hello. Yes,
3: they heard NFL players are going to be on. Oh, like, yeah. wait a minute. Hold up. Wait, <laughs> wait a, a minute. Let me put some skinny weed in it. Skinny <laughs> weed.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They were telling us, "Oh, we're gonna be down there. We're gonna show." I mean, up let me and...
3: tell you, Evan. Somebody even wore their fishnet black panty hose. Oh yeah, well, yeah you can't uh, see. Hold on, no, let show him. Come walk the front walk of the, the, set, Janae. Walk the stage. She came walking up earlier, Doug, and I started oh, singing. Yes. Fish net, (laughs) black pantyhose, skinny queen, and all. And on top of that, that's why you're the woman of cannabis. I ended ended the song with a little (laughs) for that little horse hair she got on her head because she Uh, got her hair uh, did. (laughs) yeah, here we go. (laughs) Well, welcome to Cannabis Talk 101. (laughs) As we like to have a lot of fun with everyone, we don't just pick on the guys, we pick on the girls because we love them too. Yeah, Yeah. and actually, it wasn't even pick on, it was actually glamorizing how great your outfit looks. Looks yeah, no, I've been Today. staring. I keep
4: losing my train of thought. She said exactly. something on the last show. I'm like, wait, what? about fishnets, boys. <laughs> Them
3: fishnets are looking good, girl. Listen to us on the podcast all over the world. Cannabis Talk 101 on all social media. Call us up anytime, 800 800- 1980. Make sure you check out our Instagram pages for daily news and learn so much more at Cannabis Talk 101. Blue is at one. Christopher Wright. Hello. I am at Joe Grande 52. Janae is at. I'm at Skinny Queen Janae. And Christine is at. Christine's Fire. fire, fire. And this next guy, you can find him at Ed's Britton on Instagram. Yes. Eben Britton, former NFL offensive lineman who played with the Jags and the Bears. He was a wildcat in Arizona. Rep the 818 at John Burroughs High School in Burb. Bank, and the only reason I really know that is my boy Tim Cates. I believe you and him went to school They're grinded with or definitely grind with because he was running your name. All the time, when I was uh, working in Burbank at the uh, Clear Channel Buildings, which is now iHeart, it's like, oh no, that's from the A18, that's Burroughs High School right there, fool. Don't recognize John. You know, everybody from the Burbank area gives you so much love, so shout yeah. out to my boy Tim Cates. Britain is a, a member of the Gridiron Cannabis Coalition, a group that advocates for the NFL to change its policy on cannabis. He is also a member of the Doctors for Cannabis Regulation NFL Steering Committee and he will be with a few others by the name of Kyle Turley, Jim McMahon, and Ricky Williams tomorrow, July 17th at Ramona Cannabis Company yes. at 736 Montesino Way in Ramona, California, 92065. Thank you, Evan, for coming on the show with us, brother.
5: Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys.
3: So it's so great to see, you know, another player coming out and a big time player that comes out. And I've been watching a bunch of things of you from on a bunch of podcasts and everything that's talking about cannabis. But when did it all start for you realizing, I mean, I I know I read that you started and you were doing some of it for, you know, pain medicine in, in the NFL. But how did you find out about this amazing plant to help out for pain?
5: Well, like many of us, my curiosity with cannabis started in high school, very young. I was always interested in mysticism, the unseen realms of reality, Um, and that really drew me into cannabis. Um, I had a couple really harrowing experiences with cannabis in high school. One in particular... You say
4: harrowing. Yeah. You have to describe harrowing experiences with cannabis. Um,
5: w- you know, not understanding the power of the plant, the power of the medicine, and, um, and obviously that comes with a lot of experience and, and, you know, engaging with it and doing it and using it. and um, It was the end of my junior year of football, maybe my senior year, my best friend and I went over to one of our teammates' house. We got super high at one point. Sort of the veteran the veteran cannabis users had stopped passing the blunt around, and then it was just me and my best friend. And all of a sudden, I look around, and it's like, Everything's slowing down. The Beach Boys are playing. It's getting really weird. I'm having this... I'm being dropped into the center of myself of, holy shit, man, you have a scholarship to a D1 university. You're the captain of the football team. You can't be here. We're, we're and, on Olive Street. Get out of here. Yeah, fuck. And uh, so... It just started this whole. It, it ended up being a journey where we walked like three miles across Burbank back to my house, oh,
0: that's and
5: funny. <laughs> um, yeah, I was. So it was one of those like got really too high experiences. Didn't really come back to cannabis until college, when it was after my freshman year. Uh, I had redshirted. I was felt beat to shit. I was exhausted. I was. A little bit depressed. Redshirting in college is a difficult, difficult situation because I had come out of my, at a high school team captain and here I was, I had to basically sit on the sidelines for an entire season. Right. Um, But still, you know, you're working your ass off in practice up at five o'clock in the morning for the 6 a.m. Weightlifting uh, regimen. Going to class, going to meetings, doing the whole thing except for playing in games. But at the end of that year, there was a bonfire at one of my O-line brothers' houses. I remember somebody brought a joint, and we ended up passing it around outside under the stars. Big fire burning, and you know, not only was it such an incredible moment of galvanizing us and what we had just been through together. But I remember waking up the next day and I felt so rejuvenated and energized and like all the pain in my body had been just, uh, you know, washed away through the blessing of this medicine. And I remember thinking to myself, man, if we had been drinking up all night drinking, (laughs) I'd feel like shit today. Right, Right. You know, and here I am. And I feel like I could I could start another season right now. Right. And that really stuck with me. You know, in college, it's much more difficult to navigate the, the, testing pro, the testing program of the NCAA. You get randomly tested throughout the year, comes whenever and wherever they feel necessary. Uh, but once you get into the NFL, um, there's only an annual drug test for cannabis. It's under the, the substance of abuse policy. Which cannabis is listed under? You get tested once a year, and you have a good idea of when that test is going to come.
4: No, that's smart because that's a, the best way for athletes to stay healthy and sleep at night, recover.
5: Absolutely, is to be able to use cannabis. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's. Um, I don't know what the NFL's reasoning for that has been. I guess it's like you can't use steroids, but you know, use street drugs. I mean, cannabis is like. I don't even, it's not a street drug at all, but when, like use cocaine or whatever you want, heroin as much as you want. I guess that's their, their thinking behind that. I don't really know. Um, that's for another podcast, but, um,
3: <laughs> I'd like to do it with but, you though. Cause I like those things.
5: <laughs> I have. Dabbles. I used to like those things too. Right,
3: I used to dabble. Yes. Uh,
5: you're making me twitch um, just talking
3: about it. Joe's sweating. Uh, yeah. Can you just mention the real drugs?
5: <laughs> um, so you'd have a general idea. You'd report back for, to your facility, to training, um, some, you know, sometime in April. And that you knew that you would be tested sometime between April and August, like that first week of spring training to about the first week in training camp. Um, so you knew that you had this window where you couldn't use cannabis. And the guys that were privy to that, and obviously, guys still get... I mean, they
3: have to teach there. you that, right? Like
5: the OGs. The, the OGs the, are they, like... They, they
3: broke it down for you when you're in the locker room. Like, listen here, kid. Come here, Evan. Hey, exactly. Britt, sit down and shut up and listen and grab my pads. <laughs> you're right? It's like, grab my exactly. fucking pads, carry exactly. them to my fucking blah, blah, blah. That's what you have to do as a rookie, even in the NFL. Exactly, man. It happens. In alignment, it happens all that. day. Like the bigger yeah, lineman, yeah. The, they, you come in, I've seen it happen first time. Boom, get my shit and bring it over. All right, you know what I mean? You're new, you just get drafted. Here I go. So was it another lineman, though, that gave you the game on when they're testing? Or who taught you that game?
5: Yes, yes. And somehow all the all the smokers like find each other. You know, so of course. Back, I, it's like, oh, that It's like it never
3: I, fails, yeah. right? Even when you're out and yeah. about in society, like the yeah. smokers find each other, right? No matter where you're hey, what's up? What's up? Hey, you smoke? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, let's go play. Yeah, you yeah. could be in Kansas. <laughs> you know yeah, what I'm exactly. saying? Fucking north, nowhere. To, hey, what up? What? Just the simple what up, and you find out who's doing what. Let's back up a little bit, Britton, as we talk about the 818, and there's a story there so great where you get drafted to Arizona, and like you said, you redshirted, but to show perseverance and to let people know out there that may have a younger, if you're younger listening or whatever, like never give up because, what I was hearing from you, dog, like like you said, showing up to those 6 a.m. practices, showing up to the late yeah. practice, the double days, the fucking this, the that, the everything you have to show up for, and you can't go break and start smoking weed for treatment. You could take some pills, but you were redshirting. You weren't getting a lick of light in the game. And that, you know, hard work, folks, paid off because four years after that, he still played at that team and then made it to the NFL. Like when you tell that story to, to people, how does that one resonate? Because that's a great achievement by yourself of a lot of people out there would give up. Sure. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, what do you mean? I was a fucking star in high school. Don't you know I am? Look me up. a one yeah. legend player, come on. And now sit down and shut up.
5: <laughs> yeah. And that happens to a lot of guys. You know, a lot of superstar athletes. You know, it's like the cream just keeps rising to the top. And really what separates, you know, the best... Or, you know, the one, the elites from the rest is just that willingness to keep doing it, you know. It might look like shit. It might feel like shit. There's going to be more days where you don't feel like doing it than the days where you wake up really stoked about it. And it's just about continuing to take one step, put one step in front of the other, continuing to lace up your cleats, throw the pads on, do the lifts, do the meetings, keep showing up. Keep giving your energy to it. And one day you find yourself, and there I was, you know, ready to be drafted into the NFL. Um, and, you know, it's that old saying. I've seen it a thousand times now on Instagram. Like 90% of the people who give up were so close to attaining their dream. And yeah. the one, what separates them from the people who are living their dream is just that they were willing to keep going and take that one more step in the direction of their dream. And that was really it for me, man. I mean, from the time, look, this dream of playing in the NFL started for me when I was about seven or eight years old. Uh, my childhood was super chaotic. There was a lot of darkness and, uh, I saw on the news the jets and the giants in training camp. I was born in New York city, lived in uh, Brooklyn, New York, until I was 10 before my mom moved my brother and I to Burbank. Um, I saw the Jets and the Giants in training camp, and I knew right then, I was like, that's what I'm going to do. That's how I'm going to get out of here. That's how I'm going to transcend this life and make something for myself. Um, And my mom would never let me play football until high school. And once I stepped on that field, I was surrounded by a lot of great people, a lot of very encouraging coaches, guys who, you know, I was gifted with the physical body. But it takes a lot more than that because, you know, there's a – I can't tell you how many freak athletes I've been teammates with come across throughout my career in football that just couldn't put it together for one reason or another. They didn't have the mental, they didn't have the work ethic, they didn't have X, Y, or Z. Um, And it takes a little bit of luck too. You know, I was very lucky in not getting injured until basically my NFL career.
4: So speaking of showing us your body, what does your shirt say?
5: <laughs> again, it says again. It wasn't. It was on the
4: actual ball. show. It was before. Nice. Oh, uh. What does that mean? I, I
3: love it. Who? What? What is the? I mean, I get it is myself, it but out of what, does what does it mean cool to you? Or?
5: Well, this is from um, a good buddy of mine. Makes these T-shirts. I've got a few of them. One. One of them says "Free Your Mind." The other is the brain with the two hemispheres, and one's the analytical, and one's the creative, and they're made out of hemp that's pretty awesome so not only it's sort of a it's a double entendre of yes i am cut from a different cloth
4: do they have an instagram Ooh, i like that where do we get it
5: um right now i i'm forgetting the name of my dude's brand i'm not sure he's still making them but just go to
3: EdsBritton <laughs> <laughs> and I DM him. I love the fact that you have your phone number our a phone number there for some positive vibes in Texas. You're yeah, so like giving that. to the people and so like a natural loving and watching shit spiritual guy. Where does that come from from you?
5: For me, it's, it at this stage, there is no other way. This is my life and this is my purpose here is to be a light for people and to help others find their way to their highest greatness you know and cannabis has been a profound medicine for me and always bringing me back to center you know on top of helping me deal with the injuries on top of helping me get rid of the opiates taking opiates out of my life um, dealing with all the physical pain and the emotional stress of playing in the NFL you know cannabis has always been this spiritual guide for me as i found my way through this thing um and i get a lot you know i i mean i have to say selfishly i get a lot out of spreading the positive message and helping people as much as i can Um, chris are you all right
2: I'm pointing at our one of our guys we're getting a click in the oh. in the in the sound I don't know what the click is I just keep hearing okay. a click click so, and so, you- someone's clacking around, it's not. Oh, it, either way, it's yeah, fine. Yeah, it's not a big deal. I'm having a, I'm having a panic attack. <laughs> <laughs> you're like you're <laughs> gay. I smoke you can't too much weed. I smoke too but much it's weed. the worst when you start hearing that and you can't figure out what I'm it like, is. Fuck. You're like, what is that? Yeah. and You're looking around. I've been there, it. man. The, engineer, yeah. the engineer's on his cell phone. I'm like, put your fucking headphones on, dude. They're like, you don't hear that shit? You know, like, fix it. <laughs> I heard it. I looked
3: and I couldn't find I heard it. it and six I was just times. listening to him. Yeah, but it's right. like a. And and you said something that thank you though for stuck with me for caring about blues. We're just watching. Die over here evan you mentioned the opioids you know you mentioned the injuries the pain that you went through walk us through you know some of these injuries and what the nfl was offering you giving you for that i mean even in college but when did these injuries start and what did you start taking before you realized cannabis was the solution
5: um man i took it all Uh, I took everything I could. Joe, I think you're at that party. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Joe was there, too. Yeah, I am a a, drama. I'm
3: an all guy, too. Like, whatever. Let's do
5: it. Yeah, I mean, I was was in the full-blown warrior mindset. You know, whatever I had to do to play on Sundays to get out there to do what I love to do, um, whether that meant wreaking complete havoc on my body or not, um, I, I mean, the major injuries I suffered along with just all the, the bumps and bruises and the nicks and all the just the inevitable aspects of the grind that is playing in the NFL. You know, I dislocated my shoulder twice in one game oh. playing against the Kansas City uh. Chiefs. Um, and in that, during that time, I was playing with a herniated disc and sciatic nerve damage. Going down my right foot. Is that all? Down to my right foot. Yeah. And just playing <laughs> um, uh, right guard, <laughs> just pushing through it. Yeah. So it was uh, the Chiefs. That was, it was a pretty epic story, which I'll share with you. So it was my second year. I had come out of my rookie year on top of the world. I mean, I was on the all rookie team. I had had a, a stellar season, really setting myself up for the career that I had always envisioned for myself um during OTAs or at the end of OTAs we were in uh weight training it was like three weeks before training camp started and we were doing these squats these air squats on this thing called a Kaiser machine and it's like you load this thing up with thousands of pounds of air pressure and we're doing these explosive squat movements Uh. And I got in there, and I was kind of fucking around, like I had done a set, did it, came out. I was kind of fucking around, like talking to one of my teammates, laughing about something. I got in, and the coach would lo- would give us a cue. He'd say, hit, and we'd drop down and explode up. And on this on this one rep where I got back in there, he said, hit, and I dropped down. And I felt this, like, tube of toothpaste squirt into my right butt cheek. Oh, and great. I came out, and I didn't know what had happened. Uh, I felt like somebody had ripped my torso off my body and put me back backwards, and I didn't know if I had torn my glute or if I had torn my hamstring or Or what. your
3: pants, maybe (laughs) like one of the yeah, maybe (laughs) she. So
5: I check. I go after that. We go right outside and do sprints. And we're running sprints and I'm trying to beat everybody and I'm really pissed off because I've had this great off season and now I feel like my like I can't even move. And we're running sprints. I tear my hamstring then, come into the training room, and They can't really figure out what's going on. They do these tests, and then they do this one where I have a straight leg. I'm lying down on my back, keep my leg straight, and they raise my leg, and I can't get it like four inches up. And then they go, oh, you herniated your disc. And there was just this energy shift, and um, it really became the bane of my football career from there on out. I spent the next three weeks just in agony preparing for – my second training camp in the NFL. And uh, it started this long process of really the deconstruction of my body. And um, so I managed that every morning. I would be up at the facility at five o'clock in the morning doing treatment, getting in the hot and the cold tub, getting massages, getting the, the ice and the stem and all these different things, these machines that they have. And uh, just doing everything I can to manage it, doing a lot of core work, stretching, all this stuff. Um, Finally, it's like week seven or eight, and we're playing the Kansas City Chiefs. I've been managing this with all of those protocols, like I said. Also with, you know, handfuls of Adderall and Vicodin. Right. And get into this Kansas City Chiefs game, it's about... We're right before the end of the second quarter. I'm playing I'm starting at right tackle. It's a it's an outside zone play. And against that three four defense, I'm like pushing through up through the outside shoulder of that defensive end, working up to the linebacker. I push through the defensive end, get up to the linebacker. This pile of bodies just comes and like takes out my legs. Uh and I land on my shoulder at a right angle and something just pops. But I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't feel anything. I was on Toradol, I was on Ad- Adderall, I was on Vicodin. You are a fucking up,
3: killer, go get him, just go.
5: I get up and I, I can't move my arm and I'm like, oh shit, my shoulder's out of the socket. So I pop it back into the socket. I just like rolled it back in finish the drive. We score a touchdown. I come onto the sidelines. I'm yelling at our athletic trainer. Say, Hey man, I just dislocated my shoulder. I need a shoulder harness because we're about to go out there for a two minute drill. And he's looking at me like, "What?" I'm like, hurry the fuck up, dude. We're about to be back on the (laughs) field. You need to go right now.
3: Hook me up, whatever.
5: Yeah. And so he runs, we flip, throw off my shoulder pads, throw this shoulder harness around me. Get my shoulder pads back on. It's like a NASCAR tire change. (laughs) And as soon as I'm done, I'm like running off onto the field for a two-minute drill. Two plays into two-minute drill. I'm pass pass protecting against Mike Vrabel. I go to punch with my right arm. He swipes it. It comes out of the socket again. (laughs) Jesus. And this time I can't get it in because the harness is now holding out. You're
3: strapped. Yeah.
5: So I'm just, I start running off the field, tapping the top of my helmet. My backup comes running in. It takes three team doctors about five minutes to get my shoulder back into the socket. Jesus. And they say, Eb, why don't you, we're going to take you in. We're going to get you some meds. We're going to just, let's take a shower and get out of your pads. Call it a
3: day. Yeah, Yeah, you're done for the
5: day. You know, and that whole time. I'm thinking to myself. I'll be ready for Dallas next week. I'll be. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Fuck. And uh, after the game, I'll I mean, be this ready was for like
3: Dallas next week. That's yeah, great.
5: man. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was my mentality. And after the game, for the first time, ever in my career, our team doctor said, "Man, I, I can't let you play again. I can't let you play again this year. We're going to put you on injury reserve. Wow. We need to have surgery as soon as possible." And I just burst into tears, you know, it was, it was the first time ever in my life that I wasn't going to be able to physically play. Um, and you know, that started a very deep life experience of what opiates are and what they do to me in particular. Uh, I went down to Alabama. This guy, Dr. Andrews, is kind of the world renowned orthopedic guy. He's done everybody's shoulders. He did a beautiful job reconstructing my shoulder. It's probably better than my left at this point. Huh. No, they Still, look equally good.
4: Day. Janae and I did a vote.
5: <laughs> <laughs> um, I appreciate that. Um, so, but, you know, part of that protocol is you get this month prescription of, uh, of Vicodin. And I started taking this stuff because that's what the doctor said. And it's like, oh, these are painkillers and I'm in a lot of pain and this should, this is given me, given to me by this doctor. So I'm going to take it because it'll help me because deal with Because it's this. right,
3: right? This right. is the right thing to do.
5: Yeah, exactly. And very quickly, you know, I was in a very vulnerable state. My mom went with me down to Alabama. I couldn't oh. get dressed on my own. Couldn't fucking do really anything. And uh, I remember so vividly, like right away, I had this experience. I would take these pills, 30 minutes later, my mom would be helping me tie my shoes, and I'd snap at her. You know, I'd just oh, be so like, you
3: find yourself reacting. almost like a roid rage, but a pill rage.
5: Exactly. And I would have this, and it happened every time. I would have this low I would have this rage just simmering below the surface. Of every interaction I was having, and I would go, Whoa, man, this isn't me, you know. Um, and that would continue for the next, you know, few months.
3: Would your mom call uh, you on it as well? Did she, like, What the fuck yeah, are like, you doing? Like, family members? Avoid- I mean, at first, I no. Mother, shut your mouth. Like I
4: brought you into this world. <laughs> yeah. Don't make me take you out. I don't care if you're in the NFL.
3: I'll smack your big ass in a heartbeat,
5: you big motherfucker. I mean, it's. it's she, uh, I mean, my mom used to, uh, she, my mom's 5'2, and I was bigger than her when I was about eight <laughs> years old. Just a little, when I was eight. So, uh, <laughs> literally, you know, it was just such a traumatic experience for everyone involved, you know, the whole football experience. And that, you know, I think it was just so out of character because I'm such a loving, zen individual that it was you know people around me i was a i was a king of my domain you know every every interaction i had was as ebb is this professional athlete we need to do whatever is necessary to keep ebb you know at a level where he feels good so that he can go perform because i'm taking care of everybody and um You know, but uh, eventually those conversations didn't really happen until much later. You know, a lot of the healing has come since leaving the NFL. Sure, you know that the NFL, my football career, from that point really was a descent into some into some dark times. But to Um, get to the bright
3: ones, you got to go through the dark ones, right? I mean, it's part of life and learning. And now Absolutely. you can be an advocate that speaks on it and goes, You guys, I've been down Absolutely. this dark trail. It took me to this roid raging, pill raging, family fucking darkening. I mean, you <laughs> know, when you snap against your own mother and they're like, Eb, this isn't how you were raised. It's not how you act. It's yeah. not who your character is. Was it hard in a another crying breakdown moment when you realize, fuck, this isn't who I am?
5: Look at you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's been a lot of tears shed, Joe. Well, <laughs> well, you know,
3: it's it. funny, Eb, as you say that, as, as what you were describing, to be honest with you, reminds me of my drug addiction and my abusive behaviors back in the days just by the tone that you were using of when your mother said and you're describing that. That was when when I had my turnaround. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I got sober at the age of 26 because I, too, was an asshole. I, I just became too much. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm just doing too yeah. many drugs. I'm doing too much. So that's what I heard from you when I was hearing between the lines. That's what I was like when you found that It had to be another emotional breakthrough.
5: Absolutely, man. Had to hit the rock bottom. Yeah. I think, you know, we all at some point in our lives hit rock bottom in one way or another. And that's just another way to say, you know, the karmic weight of our actions has become too heavy for us to bear anymore. It's like, this isn't working. The way we're living our life is not working anymore. And there has to be another way.
2: You Who knew know, where, your life becomes unmanageable and you find cannabis to make it
3: manageable.
5: Well,
2: what I was, what I was about to ask is is when you hit that rock bottom, was your trapdoor cannabis? Because sometimes, you know, a lot of people don't realize when you, you, know, when you hit the bottom, there's a trapdoor if you're looking for it. You know what I mean? Mm. But if you're not, you just stay there.
3: Or you can go down a, a different path too. Yeah.
2: yeah. So was that trapdoor possibly cannabis? Or was it just first of all your faith and then started building into the cannabis industry?
5: Well, cannabis was really the. It, it was the gateway to healing for me, you know, I, I trap doors. Another great way to put it. Uh, when I left the NFL, I left all the pills behind me and cannabis really became something that I leaned on and it allowed me to navigate this time of, you know, having to completely reconfigure myself. Cause here I am now I've left football I have no idea who I am, what I'm supposed to do with my life. Since the time I was 13 years old, every moment of my day has been scheduled. For training? And I've exactly yeah, exactly. What I'm doing, what my what my mission is. And here I am now, I'm 28, and I have no fucking idea who I am, what I'm supposed to do. Right. I'm not making any money. And uh, I have to go on this journey of, first, first of all, letting that other character die, that old ebb, that old warrior football player, that guy had to die. He had to go. Because in order for me to continue on and to move forward and to evolve into the person that I'm destined to be, I had to shed that old skin. Because otherwise, you see it all the time. It's one of the saddest things I, I ever come across is when I watch old veteran NFL players clinging to their old self sure they're trying to hold on they're
2: holding on to that that persona of being a a a violent player because you have to be when you're on the field and then now you're no longer in that space so that's what you live right
5: yes yes exactly
3: how did Um, you connect to with kyle turley jim mcmahon and ricky williams
5: well you know kyle it's i've been thinking about this it's sort of amazing that i feel so grateful to be with these guys you know um And it's sort of mind-blowing. I mean, Kyle was my hero growing up, you know, as far as what it meant to play offensive line. He was an all-pro offensive tackle. Oh, yeah,
3: he was a beast. He
5: was a complete monster. He was always the guy that, when I saw him play, I was like, that's what it's all about right there, you know. Um, And so when this new life was beginning to emerge for me after football – Kyle and I actually had the same agent, and I had written this article about for Sports Illustrated about my time in the NFL, dealing with injuries, the pill protocols. Which, by the way, I didn't get to mention, but ninety-eight percent of guys in an NFL locker room are taking one pill or another every single day. Right, right. Uh, these these are highly potent prescription anti-inflammatory drugs like Celebrex, Cataflam, Indocin, things that just wreak havoc on your digestive system, your liver and kidneys. Um, So anyway, I wrote this article about that, dealing with injuries, how I used cannabis, how cannabis had benefited me throughout my career, and how I feel I came out of my football career in better shape because of my cannabis use. And my agent hit me up and he said, Hey, man, uh, I want to connect you with Kyle Turley. I think you guys would have a lot to talk about. I was like, whoa, bro, Kyle, that's my fucking hero. And uh, he connects us. Get on the phone. Kyle, this is back in 2015. Kyle says to me, hey, brother, I love what you're doing. I'd love for you to come and share your story with cannabis at this cannabis conference I'm putting on in Phoenix, which was the first event of the Gridiron Cannabis Coalition. It was me, Kyle Turley, Ricky Williams, and Nate Jackson. Um, And, uh, you know, that was the beginning of understanding what this plant was all about. Because I always had this intuitive understanding that this was medicine and it was helping me throughout my football career. But I wasn't really privy to the science and the history behind it. You know, we would have conversations in the locker room all the time about, man, I'd much rather be able to smoke weed than take these fucking pills, you know? There are conversations like that all the time. But at this conference, I go, I share my story, not exactly sure what it means. I'm looking out at this crowd of faces um, of like 500 to 700 people from like cancer survivors, military veterans, traumatic brain injury survivors, all of these different people who cannabis has had a profound effect on their lives, share my story. And it's starting to sink in how much bigger this is than just me and my experience and how many people this has had a positive impact on. And then Kyle starts to share. And he starts it off with, the federal government has a patent on cannabinoids as neuroprotectants and antioxidants, patent 6,630,507, which fucking blew my mind. Right. and <laughs> he's then such he goes a goes dude.
3: He's, so, and he's and, brilliant. And
5: then he goes on to say that every living creature on planet Earth has an endocannabinoid system in which we produce endogenous cannabinoids, mirror replicas of the same chemical compounds found in the cannabis plant. And this fire was lit, man, like this fire of truth was lit in my heart, where I knew that I had to, it didn't matter what anyone else said, it didn't matter what the fucking news was saying, what the government said, that this thing was deemed illegal, I was like, people need to understand the truth of this medicine. And so I started on this journey of learning everything I could about the history of and the science of cannabis and Kyle really kicked it off for me, man. And then, you know, Ricky Williams, I remember watching the 60 minutes on him when he had left right. uh football and just being in awe that this, I was like, that's what, a, that's a fucking true warrior right there.
3: Yeah. Fighting for a cause like, that's way bigger than
5: him. Yeah. Like when he had it all on the line, he's the know, only he, one
3: that lost millions and millions of dollars.
5: Absolutely. You know? And so I've, I got connected with Ricky at that event first, and it's it's been very surreal, man. And then, of course, Jim McMahon. I mean, led the Bears to their Super Bowl. <laughs> I know you five. did the shuffle
3: when you were growing up in that eight one eight Blair. <laughs> I Come mean, on. no doubt, dude. You know, <laughs> but,
5: uh, it's just surreal to be to be working with these guys on such a powerful project, and um, you know, I've I've done a lot in the cannabis industry. I won't say successfully. My most successful endeavors in cannabis have been my advocacy work with Gridiron Cannabis Coalition and Athletes for Care, which is uh, all athletes from all sports. And then the work with doctors for cannabis regulation as well. But this just feels cosmic. You know, this is like You know, this is like a brotherhood of cannabis knights who are bringing, you know, the power and the message of this medicine to the world in a very positive way. And I'm excited to be a part of it, to be honest.
3: Well, we can't wait to slap hands with you on Saturday at Ramona Cannabis Company, 736 Montecino Way, Ramona, California. Make sure you guys go out there.
2: Well, one other thing, you know, before we get you out of here, Evan, is the Evan Flow podcast. Right. Is that is that is that something that, you know, you could tell us about right there?
5: Absolutely, man. I mean, I uh, like I said, I feel like my my purpose in this life is to spread a message with my words in particular. Um, and I've always been drawn to podcasting. It actually started years ago on a podcast called The Mindful Warrior Podcast with another former NFL guy, Nate Jackson. And that led into creating Hot Boxing with Mike Tyson which was a lot of fun and an incredible experience to spend time with Mike. Um, But then it was time for me to really start my own thing, which is the ebb and flow where I really talk about all of these topics, holistic health and healing um, tools for living a better life and accessing your highest greatness. And uh, you can check it out on all podcast platforms and YouTube.
3: That's That's awesome. I'd like to do the high five with you, but want to be respectful of your time. Do you have time for five quick questions?
5: Sure, man. All right. Yeah, cool. I got time.
3: Okay, perfect. I know we're getting the look over here going, we talked to the people, and I know we <laughs> wanted good. to be respectful, so before I ask question number one, I wanted to give you your out, okay? You know what? Yeah. But he said "Let's roll." so let's roll. Question number one of the high five with former NFL lineman, Evan Britton, how old were you the first time you smoked cannabis, and where'd you get it from?
5: Um, I was 15, and I got it from a teammate.
3: 15, and you got it from a teammate in Burbank then? Yes, sir. Nice. Look at that. Yeah, that's getting, that that, getting that Cali weed. So yeah, that's it's always it. a good thing.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
3: I got to ask you, did you grow up listening to me, Evan, on Power 106? Were you one of those guys listening to me? Oh, Big definitely, Boys? dude. I, I had to ask because I'm wondering, going, he's from the valley right there. I knew friends that knew you. Oh, I'm my like, God. Does he you know who I am? I wonder the
4: player.
5: Okay, good. <laughs> Big it's boy. Good. Right,
3: number two,
4: what is your favorite way to use cannabis?
5: Smoking it. Nice. Ooh,
4: what's your favorite strain?
5: Um, I love Jack Herrera.
3: Ah, we love him. OG Jack. Yes. we yeah. had his son on several
2: times. Good dude. Yeah, yeah.
5: Yeah, for sure. I got to meet his son, actually, too. So, yeah, very cool. Wonderful Love the straight yeah. yeah.
2: Question number three of the high five. Craziest place you've ever used or smoked cannabis? Uh,
5: on an airplane. Uh, oh. kind of, oh. What kind? What kind of plane? Uh, a, a chartered... Playing uh, on one of my NFL teams. No way. No. Yeah. So, was it a
3: real joint then?
5: It was a vape. Okay. But I also ate edibles and basically melted into the sky. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's when I'm high and high as a kite. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, what is your go to munchies when you're high?
5: You know, guys, I've really...
3: (laughs) Please tell me you go to Rafi's in Glendale, though, at least.
5: (laughs) It's one of my favorite points. is that place good?
3: Oh, it's the best, dog. It's one of the best Persian restaurants ever. It's like my hands-down go-to. Literally, I did my bachelor party there at Rafi's place. (laughs)
5: Nice. I love that food, man. Um, It's my go-to munchie. (sighs) You know, I mean, at one point... I don't know. Oh, uh, fuck. I used to give you an answer. Um, pizza? There what kind you of go, pizza? that's What an kind answer. of? What's what, what, on it? What do you put on it?
2: Cheese? You uh, put everything I'm
5: on super it? traditional, man. Pepperoni, olives, mushrooms. Nice. Okay. Love that. Getting
3: that's always hungry. a good one. Question number five of the high five with former NFL lineman. Evan Britton, you can catch him with all of us, including Jim McMahon, Kyle Churley, and Ricky Williams at the Ramona Cannabis Co. 736 Montecino Way in Ramona, California, 92065. Come check out as they reveal the Revenant brand. Revenantmj.com is the website for that as well. The Ladies
4: of Cannabis Talk 101 will be there too. This Saturday.
3: So question number five, if you can smoke with anyone dead or alive who would it be and why
5: bob marley
3: Everybody. marley
5: why marley, yeah
3: where does that come from what's the marley about the redemption um, song or just everything <laughs>
5: i think you know bob is just such a revolutionary to me and um if there's any i icon- can't iconic cannabis i mean he was so much more than that to me bob was such a guru he was almost an ascended master um, but just to spend time with him and, and hear his thoughts on the world and culture and consciousness, I think that would be epic.
3: I was literally talking to somebody yesterday going, isn't it crazy to think that what Bob Marley was singing about that long ago is still so relevant today? His yeah, exactly, words." Man. That'll be hopefully one day everything equal. and But not only that, his jaw way, his love, you know what I mean? Love yeah. one another, respect one another, respect the plant, his treatment is just uh, phenomenal. He's one of those guys that when we all hear about him, like, how is that? The, it just uh, who wouldn't want to? Yeah. No, no, it's, it's real. Yeah. I know. He, he's one of the best. Well, thank you, brother, so much for your time. We look forward to slapping hands with you. Yep. Out there as well and, uh, and hanging out. Anything yeah, else you want to get out there together. and promote?
5: That's it, guys. I appreciate you so much. Follow me on Instagram. Check out my podcast. Um, What's your that's handle? About it. Uh, Instagram is at EDSBritain. That's Ed's Britton. That's my uh, two middle names, Evan Daniel Smith. Britain. Okay,
4: awesome. Stalking you as we speak.
3: Yeah. That's cool. Revent when, when you see the former Playboy Playmate, Christine's fire, yeah. over here following you. Don't get uh she's not trying to hit on you, don't worry, she's all into me. Yeah.
4: <laughs> I keep telling you not to tell. She's a you chubby chick, Chaser.
3: Watch out. I like am, yeah. Chubby am. Chaser. <laughs> You're not chubby enough anymore, player.
2: Yeah, yeah, you gotta beef up a little. July 17th, guys, Revent. It's going down, man. Evan, we want to thank you for joining us. It's Cannabis Talk 101. When we come back, more with NFL players, Jim McMahon. It's Cannabis Talk 101, we'll be right back.
0: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
6: AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has 4 to 8 times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less, like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic.
1: Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the capital region turn to for nonstop action all winter long.
2: Welcome back to Cannabis Talk 101. Joe Grande, let us know who we have joined. us. Well, you know, us. it's
3: like it's an NFL day here, you know what I mean? It Except is. the only problem is we didn't get fucking recruited in the NFL, <laughs> you know what I mean? These bozos that we've had on today just happen to be former <laughs> NFL players and some of the uh, the greatest ones ever, like College Hall of Fame quarterback Jim McMahon right yes! here, who is a former, of course, quarterback with the Chicago Bears, played ball at BYU in college, and of course the hype still around that 85 Bears where they won the title. And the Super Bowl Shuffle. It's like you can't say Jim McMahon's name without thinking of the fucking Super Bowl Shuffle. Whether you love it or hate it, Jim, it's something that we all were like, oh, my God. Are you just It's embedded in your head.
2: Yeah. Is it still embedded
3: yeah. in yours like it's in ours? It won't go away. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, right? It's like one of those ex-girlfriends that constantly haunts you. Like, remember when you did that to me? Speaking yeah. of me, yeah, it, it hey. comes up a lot.
7: I was just up in Tahoe this past weekend and, and part of my introduction was part of that song. So I was uh that's probably why I played so bad. Do you I remember the rap?
3: Do you remember the rap by heart? No,
7: I don't wanna I did it <laughs> once. I didn't want to do it then. I certainly don't want to do it now. Yeah <laughs> so
4: B- BYU, how long ago did you live in Utah? I grew up there.
7: I moved there uh, when I was sixteen. I think that was nineteen seventy-five. Nice. You probably
4: weren't even born then. No, yeah. I was like, I, yeah, you missed me.
3: Well, it's funny. As we mentioned, 1975 in your early days at uh, BYU and high school, we have a little connection because you went to Andrew Hill your freshman and sophomore year. I went Correct. to James Lick High School all four years and you know the big it was a rival james lick and andrew hill was the rival in san jose of our high schools so ironically when i heard you were going to be on the show i was like wait a minute i called my brother and my i was like didn't jim have a a san jose tie and he was like what do you mean you fucking idiot he went to andrew hill and i'm like are you sure he's like oh that's right he did so that's where i learned all my
7: sports and uh you know San Jose back then was totally different. Nothing but nurseries and orchards. and
3: Fields everywhere.
7: And, uh, oh, yeah. It was and great.
3: Apricot fields, peach fields, everything. San Jose was such a big uh, in- uh, in- industry for you know getting fruit, which is crazy. People don't realize that. Now, yeah, of there was no
7: Silicon see- Valley, none of that stuff back then. That's was, what I was going to say. It's
3: now Silicon Valley. Great place Valley. to grow up. Was it for you a great place to grow up? Before I think you moved oh, to yeah. Utah after that, right? And-
7: oh yeah, I mean I grew up with the brothers of the Mexicans. I had a great time there. It was, uh, you Hell know, man. I learned learned to play sports. Got you know, learned to fight. I mean, you got to learn to fight when you you show up to first grade and you get glasses <laughs> on, and, and uh, one of them's <laughs> darked out because you did something stupid. <laughs>
3: well, and it's funny as you said that because in San Jose, Andrew Hill, you know that whole east side of San Jose was a rough area. It was brothers and Mexicans. It's yeah. the same area that I grew up in. Like I said, I went to James Lick, grew up with story and yeah. white over there by the foothills. And when I when we thought of Jim McMahon, you're like, oh, he's from the he's from the Bay Area. From, he's That's a it. Bay Area
1: player right there. <laughs> yeah.
3: And then to think of another gym that did well, Jim Plunkett went to James Lick. So nice. there's two gyms that went to two big rival schools a little bit before his time. That Jim Plunkett was, of course, the former Raider, and then Jim McMahon laying it down for San Jose. But we are all excited to see you in person on July 17th at Ramona Cannabis Co. 736 Montecino Way in Ramona, California. You're going to be joining, of course, Kyle Turley, Evan Britton, who we just had on, and Ricky Williams as they release the new. New brand Revenant. You can check out their website, revenantmj.com. How did you get involved, Jim, with a Kyle Turley, with Britton and Williams? Well, I've been
7: trying to get into this business for the last twelve years, and uh, here in Arizona, and it's, it doesn't go—you know—it doesn't go as smoothly here as it does out in California, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I've been using the product ever since uh, I think it was 1973 when I enjoyed my first joint. I was 14 years old, and uh, I loved it ever since. I didn't know how good it was for me back then. You know, I just enjoyed, you know, I, I knew it helped me sleep. It helped me eat, and it made me feel good. And since then, I, I've, I've done a lot of cannabis conventions. I, I speak with a doctor, Uma Ballen that you probably know. Yep. She's out of uh, out of Massachusetts. Uh, she, she's taught me more about the plant that I could ever want to know. I said, Doc, I told her those three things. It made me it made me eat, sleep, and feel better. She says that's what it's supposed to do. You know, we had that you know, endocannabinoid system in our bodies. I, you know, why is that there if we're not using this plant? And uh, I said, well, you don't have to. You don't have to prove it to me. I mean, I'm, I'm going to continue using it. But uh, getting back to uh, getting to, getting in touch with Kyle, uh, he actually got in touch with me about it, and uh, I was very happy to hear hear from him. And uh, you know, I think it's going to be a great. Great mix of guys. You know, we got Ricky and Evan and Kyle, and we got another guy, Mike Langford, who's a friend of ours, uh, involved with this. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the, the launch on uh, the, on July 17th, and uh, just having a lot of fun with the people. Hopefully, they'll, you know, get rid of their, their pills and, and get on get to something natural that uh, will actually help them.
3: And it's funny, as you say, get rid of the pills, as you've, you know, left the NFL, you're into the older ages now of life looking at this going, folks, try this. Do you find when you talk to your peers who are, you know, former adults that look at this over 50 years old and they're looking at you going, what are you talking about? You know, do they resist? How do people react to you, McMahon, when you're sitting there talking to them about cannabis and how it's, helped you so much as you're not the youngest NFL player that's going to be there, but you're definitely on the older side of, you know, speaking to that older demographic.
7: Right. Well, I've, I've been telling all my friends, you know, especially military guys that I'm involved with, you know, because they shove so much, so many pills down these guys' throats. It's ridiculous. Sure. And uh, a lot of them don't realize that if they live in a state where it's legal, they can actually switch their medications, but they're all so afraid of losing their, their pension or, wh- or whatever they're going to get, you know, after they're done. But they don't know the rule was changed, you know, years ago in their favor, and I keep trying to explain it to them. And they—I don't know if they believe me or not. They just think i, just, I enjoy it too much, I guess.
3: They're like, "You're <laughs> full of shit. You're trying to take my paper away."
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, i, I we, we, we you and I met in in uh, Texas, I believe, for the NFL for this during the Super Bowl. Um, you know, and. and I remember just seeing you come out to, it was, I think Rory's event or something like that. I forgot the name of it. I I, I don't remember the name of it, but you know, you came out and I was so shocked because, you know, at that time, you know, I I knew about Kyle and, and then I seen Jim and, and for me, you're, you know, you're a legend and I, I'm, you know, blessed to have you on our show. And, and I'm like, Wow, Jim McMahon's coming out and and speaking on cannabis. He's coming out the green closet. Yeah, and and you know what for, the hell's was, going on around here, dude? I, I've got the chills right now talking about Jim. It's like. Dude, you you. I don't know if you understand the impact that you make on on others, and I and I'm just so happy to have you part of the 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 green cult we, or the or, cannabis community. The cannabis community, yeah. It's like you know, thank you for for being that 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 individual, uh, a professional athlete first of all, and and putting you know your your yourself on the line to to entertain and and play a sport that you probably dearly love, but now to advocate for cannabis. And to stand out there and teach one and and get this message across, it's such an honor to have you, man. And and I just, you know, when when was that moment in your life that you just were like, hey, you know, I, I have I'm coming to, up the closet. I have with to come out bucket. publicly and and make this a statement and and then continue this path.
7: Well, like I said, <clears throat> my first enjoyment was 1973, and I've been pretty public ever since, other than the you know college days. You know, I had to kind of hide, but. Uh, I never, I never failed a drug test in the NFL. Right. You know, we knew, we knew when that was going to be. So, you know, if you got popped in, you, you know, you might've had a problem, but uh, you know, I, I, everybody that knows me or has known me for quite a while knows that I, I I've enjoyed cannabis and I've talked to them about it. Uh, You know, I I know a lot of police officers, lawyers. uh, I mean, just people from all walks of life that are that are closet green people right yeah uh, i think it's finally you know the awareness is is so great now that i think uh you know it's not as stigmatized as it once was which it never should have been in the first place but in in
3: 73 it was though i mean it was you know you're tabooish back then for you to tap into it who's the one that gave it to you introduced it to you and said jim this is going to help you with your pain
7: I don't remember. It was at some, some party for junior and junior high, I think, or just for or my freshman year in so high school. So
3: it wasn't for pain back then. It was for the just hanging out. And yeah. So yeah so. Just
4: hanging out, you know, What's but your... uh,
7: I, I, I quickly realized that, you know, how, how much I've, you know, how much better I felt and how much better I slept. And, uh, you know, that's,
4: what that's, works that's best why for I continue to you? use. What's so, that? Oh, uh, what works best for pain for you? What works best like tinctures or what do you use best for pain?
7: I've tried, I've tried everything. Uh, I, I like the edibles for sleeping because I, I don't sleep well at all, and uh,
4: I love you know, those for I've
7: sleeping. To, oh, but I, you know, I got to take quite a bit to to get to <laughs> sleep, but then I'm back up in like two or three hours. So, uh, but I, I've tried it all—the tinctures, the the uh, topicals, the.
2: You know, it's just a, it's just a magnificent plan. It's a medicinal herb. It's never been a drug. So, so through the NFL, while, while you were playing, you were pretty much openly smoking and just no one said nothing, or it was just something that he was pushed under the rug because you were such an athlete. I mean, how did that work out?
7: Well, I mean, I, I wasn't just like walking around the street or sitting in a bar. You we weren't it. in
2: the huddle, just smoking a bong real quick. <laughs> now, <laughs> hold
7: on. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you a funny story. It was, uh, we we're in training camp in Platteville and, um uh, it was, you know, 105 or whatever, and just everybody's, We ran, you know, we ran over to get a drink of water, and Dick was standing there just growling at us going, only the, only you pot smokers need m- water. Ah! And we're, we just kind of looked at each other and laughed, and we're like, yeah, you're right. I said, you, you probably should try some of this instead of that wine you drink every night. You know? Yeah. Gives you more of a headache. This
3: takes away your headache. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Was Walter Payton one of the guys with you? No, he wasn't. <laughs> you never know. And, and as you did that, uh, McMahon, like when you were in college, did you have a regimen that you would take like after games, smoking? Like did you start reali- – better yet, when did you start realizing I can use this for pain management as well? Was it in college? Was it the NFL? Uh, yeah,
7: when I got to the NFL – you know, in college it was really hard to come by. You know, yeah,
3: BYU exactly. So, <laughs> oh my God,
7: it's hard so to if get you could find one somewhere, it was a, it was a, a quite a treat. But uh, yeah, once I got to the NFL, because I mean, I was I was eating painkillers, you know, left and right for years, and they just they just mess with your mind. They they mess with your your bodily functions. Uh, you know, I don't remember half the games I played. You know, really? I, I kind of enjoy watching some of the old clips. I'm like, damn, I <laughs> could play a little bit.
3: Hey, who's that guy that threw that pass? That looked good. Shit. That was yeah. me. <laughs> so what was it, the first pain? Like, did you have a knee injury first, back or we shoulder? When you were like, fuck, I'm on all these painkillers now. I need to get off this.
7: Oh. <clears throat> well, the, I think the first, <clears throat> first time when I started taking them heavily was uh, in '84, I broke my hand, my throwing hand. Uh, so they would just shoot it up for you know the next couple games, and that was you know that's I couldn't even couldn't even feel the ball. I couldn't throw a spiral, and guys were hey what's what's wrong? Why can't you throw a spiral? So I can't feel the ball, and I wasn't even supposed to tell anybody my hand was broke. That was crazy.
3: Did they tell you keep your mouth shut? You're gonna play. So I, you know
7: I just keep eating more and more and more, and then then I uh, later on that season. Uh, I tore the bottom third of my kidney off against the Raiders, and uh, and that was the worst pain I'd ever felt he in my said life.
4: You tore the bottom so, of your kidney off?
7: Yes, yeah, so I got I got hit between two people, and the kidney got got Ooh. cut on the ribs and just sliced Ooh. it off. Right, so I uh, sure I between right, I, yeah. Once I got out of the hospital, uh, I was on morphine in the ICU for about ten days, and that stuff's pretty good too. That morphine. Oh yeah, but. Uh, <laughs> But when i got home it was it was just strictly marijuana i mean that's what got me i think that's what helped my body heal as quickly as it did from all the operations that i had over the years i think i I had 18 some operations and uh i was always back quicker than they thought i would be when i hurt my shoulder and had shoulder surgery they said it would take me two years to play i was back in 10 months so i think that had a lot to do with my body healing the way it, it did
3: And when you started doing that, going back home, what was that, in 84, you said, I mean, did you have like brownies? Because back in the days, the edibles that were around were mostly brownies, cookies, this and that. I was sitting there with some, you know, all this fancy shit we have now to to munch on. Were you doing the edibles then or just flour? Every once in
7: a while, somebody would have a brownie or a cookie, you know, a piece of chocolate. But it was it was mostly flour. Sure. I still enjoy it. I still enjoy the flower as well. I mean, I I love the smell of it, the taste of it. Uh I'd love to make a, a you know a cologne out of it, you know, eau, yeah. eau de herb, and just yeah, just, just have the different the different smells that of the of the, the flower. It's and funny it's you say fantastic. that. We
4: can do that for you. Well,
3: I I love the smell of it too. I was just telling somebody when we were at Planet 13 and true our uh terpene warehouse were there and i'm like you guys (laughs) yeah terpene warehouse was there they're one of our sponsors and i was like you guys need to put the smell on the little urinals in the pisser because when i piss i'd love to smell some really from fire how great would that be jim (laughs) just put it anywhere anywhere in the
7: pisser yeah you walk into some of those
3: well that's what I mean. Just put them in all the pissers, right? Like, come on. You walk into the bathroom and it smells like just a big greenhouse. That
2: would be awesome. Wouldn't you, it? Yeah. yeah. You know, I'll, I'll tell you. What, what especially is those airport bathrooms
3: oh, oh man worst. some people just fucking blow them up i just traveled last week it was bad i walked in i told my son get out of here we're going to another one."
4: Oh, literally Run, save yourself Li- son
3: my son walked in he goes dad what is that i go that's a bomb of shit let's go yeah,
2: let's go <laughs> it's called the oklahoma fucking airport <laughs> oh, so jim listen i mean what 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 do you think about athletes now, and and what they're going through as far as the the regulations that they have to deal with? I mean, obviously it's it's getting lighter. It's 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 starting to turn, in, you know, in the right direction, I guess, but it's not quite there yet. So, what what is your your thought for them? You know, and where do you think it's going? I guess I would say, you know, do you see the NFL uh, descheduling it off of their list of of drugs that they test for completely, um, or is it something that uh, is going to be there? Forever,
7: no. I think if they're headed to the, the point where it's it's they should take it off the books, even the federal government. Sure. Uh, you know, I think it's ridiculous. You know, but the NFL's tied into big pharma like everything else in this country. It seems like so, and they probably get a hell of a lot of free pills out of them, so. Yeah.
2: yeah, that's that's <laughs> they're, why they're still handing
7: those out pretty freely. is my that air. what
3: your gut feels though? Like their NFL is getting. Maybe a little kickback or they're just in cahoots with it because, you know, a a lot of my friends that have played in the NFL, too, everyone has been just getting a handful of fucking pills. Here's another prescription, another prescription. Boom, boom, boom.
7: Well, I don't know. I don't know what their deal is, but, you know, uh, cannabis is is a uh, (coughs) it's one of their enemies. So, you know, once everybody starts realizing, you know, the stigma was was you know, we were lied to for over 100 years about it. And uh, once you know, it's it's really the older older generation that is still kind of a little bit funny about it. But but again, then again, a lot of the older people are starting to use it,
3: and they're starting to realize when they rub something on their arm and it's like doesn't it smell like Ben Gay, it makes them feel amazing. Now they can lift up their shoulder, going, "What was that?" Like yeah, what? I gave my dad a
7: I gave my dad a roll on, and uh, it had it had a little bit of THC, not nothing where he's going to get of course you know buzz. He had his knee replaced and he says, no, no, I'm not going to use that. I, I don't want to be stoned. I said, you're not going to get stoned. <laughs> right. Just rub it on your knee. Call me in a week or two. Tell me how it feels. And within a week, he calls me back all excited saying, hey, you got any more of that weed stuff? My knee feels great. <laughs> and I said, I told you, it's not, it's not a drug. You know, it's a, it's a healing, it's healing... medicine, uh, man.
3: Folks need to know it's that medicine. As we say, oh, it's, it's a medicine. Natural and medicine. A, my oh.
7: mom has a really bad back, and I, I've, I've got her taking some, uh, some, actually, some THC gummies. So, Is she, she, does she, she be, taking them for fun it. yet? <laughs> does she like it? Well, no. My, my dad gave her a little bit too many one night. I said, just give her one, see how she does. And I think she ended up with three, and she ended <laughs> up on the floor. But uh, she's okay. But um... But she feels a
3: lot better when she takes those. She started dancing to your old Super Bowl shuffle going, fuck it, one more time. <laughs> she's,
7: not, she's not dancing much anymore. She's barely getting around. They're, they're both 85. But, well, God uh,
3: bless it, they're still around, man. And I hope They're feeling a the hell of a lot
7: better now that they're, they're using some of this stuff.
3: And, and as we say feeling better and looking at it as medicine, uh, Jim McMahon, do you think one day the training staffs in these NFL locker rooms are going to be going, try this. Let me let them hand you an eighth or have, hand you some gummies.
7: That'd be that'd be awesome. I might come back and play. Yeah, <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually uh, just joined a company. It's called the uh, CBD K Tape. Everybody uses this K Tape all the time. Wow. And uh, this this is actually CBD infused, and it's That's it really actually smart. it works damn well. I mean, I was I've been doing a lot of work here at my house during this COVID crap, and uh, doing a lot of shoveling, a lot of wheelbarrow pushing, and a lot of digging and uh cutting down trees my arm i could barely barely move my arms and i i wrapped them up in this k tape one night the next morning it was like i hadn't done anything i'm like i called the guy from the company i said how how do i get in and uh so I'm, i'm part of the company now and Um, I guess I'm part of the uh, collegiate division, so I got to get this K tape out. (laughs) Have you guys reached out to CrossFit
4: yet? Because my ex used to compete in CrossFit. I'm just like, wow, like he'd be all over CBD K tape. I don't.
7: I mean, everybody, anybody, the weekend warrior, anybody can use it. Anybody that uses K tape, I mean, might as well get the CBD benefit as well. Well, it's it's funny
3: you say that. My wife has her doctorate in physical therapy, so she's a, a PT. And when you said that, I'm like, I, I bet she would love That's that great. for her patients. You know what great. I mean? And it's just something like even extra you can put on. Like, yeah, we have, we're have we going to tape you with this or we have the you know CBD tape. Yeah. and Or even don't even tell them and just give them that. It's like, you know, it yeah. just helps them heal better. Because like you say, some people are still hesitant on it, which is right. baffling to me because they think like your dad once did, I don't want to feel stoned or high off this rub on. it's like no people the rub-ons are not going to get you anything (laughs) nowhere near nothing which is so hard to teach people when they have no clue
2: right well i had i had some some conversations with someone recently and and they're like you know hey if i take cbd um you know am i going to get a psychoactive effect or am i going to get high and and and, or is it going to pop dirty on the test and so you know the the quick and simple answer was no however you have to understand where you're getting your product from it's got to be from a reliable source it can't just be any geek off the street because there are companies out there that, that you know they, they they don't test and they don't do they they don't care if you're dirty they just want to push it on and so you have to be careful what you do take because the industry is still evolving however you know when you get with some of these you know realistic companies that have done their testing they do their due diligence and everything's right it's a it's it's a it's the move to make you know you take those products and you'll be fine you know but somebody out there that doesn't you know you go buy it at some smoke shop that you know they, they don't even know where they got it they're like oh well some guy came in and gave us this and everybody seems to love it and you're like well, you know that that you might test dirty on <laughs> you, know, you might, you yeah, might get you might everybody's get, high. Gonna get a clean <laughs> test right there
3: you know um, Jim McMahon I'm so curious on your thoughts when and you are already retired and you see a gentleman by the name of ricky williams who is such an advocate for this plant and decides to say fuck it i'm not going to continue playing you guys don't fucking blah blah blah. nope i'm not going to do that i'm not going to do that what was it like for you watching him do that
7: Uh, i had a lot of respect for him man he's 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 his own man and uh He knows what this plant does. He knows, you know, it's it's much better than what they were trying to give him when he when he was playing. And to make him, you know, I I really don't know how it ended, but uh, I know he's. I I respected him for it, and I'm I'm happy to be his uh, partner in this company.
3: That is great. And the company again, the name is Revenant. Revenant. So all of you guys are behind Revenant, huh? You, Ricky, and Jim and Evan as well. Kyle as well, yes sir. Well, look at you guys putting together some flour from the NFL to flour, it's such an awesome thing to see. Let's take a break real quick and come back with more with NFL
0: great Jim McMahon on Cannabis Talk 101. BP added more than $70 billion to the US economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer Archaea energy and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico It's and not or See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com/ investing in America
1: Discover betMGM the betting app sports fans in the capital region turn to for non-stop action all winter long.
8: iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's lee acom forward slash iHeart. With Lisa, your purchase has purpose. Every year, Lisa donates thousands of mattresses to those in need. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Take a hit, get lit,
2: sit back and enjoy Cannabis Talk one on one right here with NFL superstar Jim McMahon. So great to see
3: Jim and you know, to
2: think about this
3: company Revenant that you're doing, how involved are you with the gym? Like what is your passion with it? Are you sitting there talking to the growers? What is your role?
7: Well, my role is to show up Saturday and get this thing going yeah uh, Get this party I, I think kyle kyle is i think has done a hell of a lot of footwork um him and evan, evan i believe have been doing a lot of the stuff uh i've been on the road traveling i haven't been doing a hell of a lot but uh, i'm looking forward to you know getting going here saturday and then uh, continuing on from there
2: he's the taster he's yeah the and, taste and what's taster. the story <laughs> behind
3: the the word revenant do you know this
7: I do not know the story yet.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I meant to ask Kyle the other day so when we talked Re- to him. Revenant, if I'm not mistaken, is... is did is, he say it the
3: other day when we talked
2: to him? No, but I, I've, I've watched uh, enough to, to think I know. <laughs> and I may be wrong, don't quote me on this, but I think it's it's uh, like coming back from the dead, it, what the word Revenant means. and And so...
3: That would make a lot of sense with all four of these fucking beat up dudes representing it.
2: Yeah.
4: <laughs> the, logo, the logo is kind of like a cross or like a but nail. The
7: almost dead like the movie when he got mauled by the bear. We're yeah.
3: sitting there. I mean, Evan's talking about stories of his shoulder coming out of socket twice oh in a God. game. Fucking no knee. Lord knows how many things Ricky had and of course, Jim having a broken hand playing Kyle with all the these pinched, problems. The pin I up. mean, you guys are sitting and not only you guys, there's so many other NFL players that this is the same story. On top of, Which I haven't even brought up a lot of because I just get so sad thinking about it, but the PTSD and mental aspects that so many of your former colleagues that suffer from. I mean, there's an elite group of NFL players. It's not an abundance. It's the the, the one percenters that make it to the league. And then of those that have to deal with... With so much mental problems from the game aspect, from concussion after concussion, and then not getting treated properly, meaning, like Jim was handed, pill after pill, and not being treated properly with some cannabis that could save several brothers that have just passed. I mean, recently, I think just last week, we had another brother from San Francisco pass away. That was one of the greats. And, you know, I mean, I think of Junior Seau when I think of this going, you know, he, he could have been another great one. And when I say pass away, I'm talking from suicide at that. Yeah, I've had
7: a couple of teammates, Dave Doerson, Andre Waters, both uh, committed suicide. Uh, and it was unfortunate that this, they called it the concussion lawsuit that was just, you know, finished up. Uh, it had nothing to do with concussions. You know, unless you, unless you come down with ALS, dementia, or Parkinson's, you don't get anything. Wow. And it's the guys that are still having these concussion-like syndromes that are, that are killing themselves. Uh, my next teammate of mine, Steve McMichael, is suffering badly right now with ALS. He's in in a wheelchair. One of the biggest, strongest guys to ever play in the league, and now he's, you know, he's barely getting around. Can't move his arms or legs. Uh, it's I'm sorry it's to hear that
4: my dad passed tough, away from
7: ALS. It's awful. Yeah, it's a it's a tough, tough disease, and uh, you know, a lot of these guys are going to come down with with some of these things. But I, I was I was actually one of the named plaintiffs in that lawsuit, and I was flat out denied. They said I wasn't impaired enough. I said, you know, well, what do I got to do? Sit here and shit in my hand? You know, what? <laughs> yeah. Shit mean, my hand, Really? <laughs> what do you want I, me to do? Can <laughs> I take this test again when I'm having one of my, you know, issues? You know, I have to go back to New York every three months to get an adjustment or else I'm, a, I'm almost a vegetable. You know, I lay in my room and in a dark room and just watch the ceiling fan go around until oh. I can see him. So it's. I said can I take this test when I'm having one of those episodes? Maybe you'll, your mind will change, but uh yeah, we're, we're going to keep going after him because I know I've got a lot of problems.
2: Now, when you say go after him, is that the actual NFL or uh, that you guys are going after because of, you know, the the lack of care and and um, you know, medical, uh, you know, is that what it is? Is that what this lawsuit
3: was Yeah, when was you with? say who is it? Roger Goodell? I mean, who who?
7: Well, it's it's I, I believe it's against the teams in the NFL. I,
2: you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, you know, I I think there's, there should be, you know, some kind of a fund, you know, set aside for, for almost all NFL players. No, of course there should be because these guys have went out there. Well, they call it a pension yeah yeah. They, yeah well and they get the pension but not, then they
7: tax yeah they tax that too so, yeah but everybody
2: you know. gets a pension i mean some kind of a medical not pa- all, a medical pension well, would the, be, and not only that the ones that have had the problems they can't
3: seem to get treated fairly it's almost like these nfl players get turned the other cheek uh, not only turn the cheek but I, I and i hate to use this comparison but i feel like they get treated like military veterans they don't well, get a doctor the,
7: right a lot of the doctors don't understand what's going on in their heads you know that uh they, they'll take a cat scan or an mri whatever they call them and, and you know your atlas bone is supposed to be sitting perpendicular to your spa, or to your spinal cord and when they did my cat scan my mine, mine was almost straight up it was like 45 degrees jesus and he said man this is way out of whack and you know, i had that i had that issue then i also i broke my neck at some point in my career oh. that nobody told me about <laughs> i pretty much know when it happened because my legs went numb twice but uh, I, I found all this out when they were, I was trying to go through workman's comp about 10 years ago. And they said, when did you break your neck? And I'm like, ooh, I didn't know I broke my neck. Oh, yes. My C6 and 7 are cracked and compressed. So I, was, I played another uh, three years after that. So I'm lucky to be walking around.
1: That
3: so, broken neck, broken this, broken that. Are you still a fan of the game? And do you tell young men, go out there and play your ass off?
7: Uh, I'm not a fan of the game. Um especially today's game. It's not it's it's not what we we used to do. Um it's I, I like some of the coaches that are still there. they're they're friends of mine, Andy Reid. Uh he was my left tackle in college. I've known him since the you know oh, mid seventies. He's done a fantastic
3: job in Kansas City, right? Yes,
7: Jeez. he does, does a great job wherever he's at. Yeah, you know, Ron true. Rivera, another ex teammate of mine. Of I I just I check scores, you know, but I I can't sit and watch a game.
3: What is it about uh, it that bothers you now?
7: Well, the National Anthem, for one. Um, wow. Quarterbacks can't get a hit for another. Uh, yeah, it's it's basically all about statistics now. It, it, wins or losses really don't seem to matter to, to a lot of teams.
3: It's all about the game uh, that's on the board over there in Vegas. You know what I mean? I all these people that are playing the bullshit games.
7: No doubt. And the NFL is a, what do they call it, a nonprofit organization, too. Is it? They take in billions, but uh, you know, Goodell's making his forty-five million a year, whatever it is.
3: Yeah, all the owners are paying him to just make sure everybody gets screwed. In my book, yeah. when I look at it, sometimes it's like all, all the NFL play, all the NFL teams play the pay the commissioner, right? So the commissioner is actually ran by them, but it's just, <coughs> but it's like the cover up because then he gets to make all the rules so that the teams can benefit from it. Wow. So it's 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 a weird game as you talk to a bunch of players and try to figure out what the real scoop is, which sometimes is so baffling because the folks just normally watch on a Sunday, and I just want a 16, 18 game schedule, and let me see these guys go out there and kill themselves. And it's like, you know, is, is that what's great? No, they should be taken care of compensated just because they're making a good salary. But the real problems are happening, in my opinion, as well as even after the play, like what you hear Jim going through and so many other players, and then they just don't get treated properly where they can't get the treatment to treat it. Like, hey, wait a minute. I just did this fucking time for you. Sure. Like I said, it reminds me of the military. I did all, I did my time. Treat me right afterwards. If I'm injured and I'm hurt, treat take me right. take care of me. Right. Yeah, take you know what I'm saying? Me. Like, I gave you my all. I fucking played football with broken neck for two games, for God's sakes. Can I get some treatments? Doesn't it piss you off sometimes, Jim? It gets me fired up, and I didn't even play.
7: <laughs> oh, yeah. I got pissed off a lot, you know, back in '86. You know, I dislocated my right shoulder in the first game of the season. And I told the doctor what happened. And, and it, it continued to pop in and out. And uh, I said, Doc, my arm is coming out of the socket. He said, oh, it couldn't be. You know how painful that is? I said, yeah, it happens a thousand times a day. Yeah. And uh, I kept trying to play. I played another six games. And they all they did was shoot it, numb it for a game. But every time I moved, it, it would pop out. And um, How I completed a pass that season, I don't know. And then I finally went, went out to L.A. to see Frank Job, uh, who was then the Dodgers doctor and Rams, I believe, uh, elbow and shoulder guy. And he said, within five minutes, your arm's coming out of the socket. And I said, yeah, I know that. But this idiot's been telling me that that's not happening. And so that, that team doctor actually flew to L.A. when I had my surgery. And as soon as the doc opened me up, he cut me from the top of my shoulder down to my armpit. And uh, he opened me up and the doctor went, oh, my God. He wasn't lying. Like,
2: why the hell, why the <laughs> why hell would I be lying? That, yeah, why would you I mean, make that up?
7: Yeah. This is just,
2: ugh. You know, doctors. You know, and I'm sure you're aware, but the, the equipment, right? The equipment back in your day versus even the equipment today, you know, it had to have been, you know, a massive change. And so, you know, when I look back at it, even for, for you know, the folks that played during your seasons, you know, you would think that they would recognize that. Hey, we didn't have proper equipment back then, which you know, and, and now we've we've upgraded this equipment, and it still isn't good enough, right? Because it's such a violent sport. But well, there's no helmet. There's
7: no helmet that's going to keep your brain from hitting the side of your head when there's a collision.
2: Right.
3: Period. What a three hundred pound monster's your, coming after you. Your brain is floating on fluid,
7: connected to your spinal cord. It's not. It's not connected. It's not attached to anything to your head. So. When there's a collision, something's got to hit. You know, something's got to stop somewhere. Yeah. So when they can, you know, I don't know how they'd ever figure that one
2: out. Well, I, I think that would be the. But like you said,
7: you know, once these guys are done, take care of them.
2: That's it. That's it. simple as that. Yeah, if you're gonna put, you know, you, we're putting our lives on the line for, for for the sport, for the love of the sport, for the for the love of the fans, and 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 for you know, I, I would say for the uh, the wealth of the the, the owners, but. At one point, you know they've got to come back and 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 give more to help, and I and I think that that's what I'm saying. Like if you look at the the the, the equipment, they've they've upgraded the equipment, quote unquote, but they're not really upgrading the equipment, right? This equipment. You know, it, it can't. Like you said, you can't stop it. Your, your head. Well, you big. just
3: can't stop it. They're using state of the art and a bunch of stuff that really helps with the helmets and the new cuts in the helmets. But what and about when stuff. Jim was playing? Well, when Jim played, that a fucking net in his helmet. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't fucking a ride hill or bike. It was a fucking uh, net. Yeah, what they call them, the suspension helmet. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. suspension, right? I mean, fucking guys yeah. playing in the seventies, dude. Yeah. Damn near just after the leather came out. I mean, he's a couple <laughs> <laughs> fucking stages past leather. For yeah. God's sakes, Jim's an OG with yeah, that Yeah, we did have face masks. Yeah. <laughs> At least, thank At God, least. right? And they were made of bubblegum wrappers. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. So the NFL could save money on that. Well, Jim McMahon's going to be out there. Kyle Turley, Evan Britton, Ricky Williams. Saturday, July 17th, 736, Montesino Way in Ramona, California. It's Ramona Cannabis Co. As they release the new brand that these... Four NFL alum are putting together Revenant. Check out the website, revenantmj.com. It is now time for something that we like to do, Jim, with all of our folks that we bring on the show, and it's called the High Five with, of course, College Hall of Fame NFL quarterback Jim McMahon. Question number one, how old were you the first time you smoked cannabis, and where would you get it from?
7: I was 14, and I got it from a buddy. It was a couple buddies had some. We all tried it.
3: The things that happen in San Jose. Man. <laughs> number
4: two, what is your favorite way to use cannabis?
7: Uh, That's a split between smoking and eating.
2: What's nah. your
4: favorite way to eat it?
2: No, nah, wait, wait. Oh. hold, Hold that. Hold that. Hold on. Question number three of the high five. Craziest place you've ever used or smoked cannabis?
7: Team Plane.
2: Wow. Team
7: Plane. What year? have been early
3: 80s probably. Just and that was and flour show. then because they didn't have vapes. Back oh then. yeah. And it stunk up the whole damn plan. Fuck yeah, dude. How did that even go down? Was everyone going, fucking Jim? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
7: I wasn't the only one, but every time
3: we open that bathroom door, they get a good whiff. No. Oh, oh, did anybody bust your ball? Did the coach say anything? Oh yeah.
7: Because back then the players he, he would let the players sit up at first class and all the coaches would be in the back. OK, then after that, he had a coach in every at least three coaches in front and then had them spread out all, all over the plane.
3: Oh, so. so you smoked it up front in the first class uh, bathroom yeah. up there. Yeah. Oh, that is that's class. And not only that, like you said, that's flour on the plane. There's, they, there's a big difference between smoking yeah. flour on the plane and a fucking vape on the plane. So when people say, oh, I smoked on a plane nowadays, you smoked the vape on the plane. Cause yeah, yeah cause that goes vape, away. It's
4: hard to hide, so that's impressive. It's water. hard
3: to hide, but it hides a lot easier oh, yeah. than smoking a joint. Well,
2: I, I've got, you know, one of our bandmates, and back in 2010, we were on a flight, and and he smoked a bowl inside the plane. Oh. I mean, but it was, it was on our way to um, Australia, and... Um, and it was midnight or whatever. It's dark. Everybody's sleeping, and then all of a sudden we all wake up. We're like, "Dude!" And then he comes back and sits down. He goes, "Do you think I'm busted?" And I'm like, "What the fuck, dude?" The whole <laughs> place. And I'm like, Bust you think it. I'm "Busted!" Yeah, I'm like, "Busted, dude. You're busted. You're busted for sure." You know, the whole I, I, I smelled it before you got back to your seat, dude. Right? And he was like, "I just smoked a bowl," and I'm like, "A bowl in the bathroom?" And Jim smoked a joint. <laughs> Jim smoked a joint. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. I mean, at one point, Jim, are like, "Fuck it."
1: Yeah.
3: Seven hits in, going. What do I do? Well, whatever. I'm on the team playing. What am I going to get kicked off? I'm the quarterback.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That
3: is awesome.
2: I'm
7: I'm, I'm having bad gas. Leave me
3: alone. Yeah. That is great. (laughs) Question number four of the high five with, of course, former NFL quarterback from the Chicago Bears, Jim McMahon. What is your go-to munchies after you get high?
7: Ah, boy. I tell you, I don't really get the munchies anymore. I'm just... I eat all the time, so.
4: You need to stock.
7: Snacks. I like chips, you know. What
3: kind of chips? Yeah. Uh,
7: kettle. Uh, kettle. Uh, I just had I a
3: bag of kettle. Ones. Jalapenos.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah. My, my
3: mouth is watering. exactly. Those are the best ones to get, in my opinion. The kettle, jalapenos, all day, every day. I ran out of them, and I only had a small <laughs> bag of, like, the salt and pepper ones or whatever when you buy the boxes from Costco of the kettle ones. Damn kids ate all them jalapeno ones. <laughs> Question?
4: If, if you, number five, if you could smoke cannabis with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be?
3: Wow. I like the deep thought. Look it, at him. Yeah, that's interesting,
7: because I smoked with Willie before. That was oh, fun. Oh, did you?
3: Yeah. Where was that at? Yeah. Smoking with Willie's oh. big.
7: I was on his bus in, uh, we were down in Texas somewhere at a golf event but the day before there was a 5k run so we're on willie's bus so he's all dressed like he's gonna run and i said are you running in this thing he goes oh hell no because he at the start I, I go out there for a picture when everybody comes in i, I get a picture because <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna sit here and smoke for three hours so i said all right we sat there for three hours and bullshit it. no
3: way that's, that's fucking cool did you hear he just quit smoking well, oh, I didn't hear he, that. Yeah, he, he just he quit did, smoking flour. flour. Yeah, just yeah, flour. I mean, he's, he's still using cannabis, but he just quit smoking flour. He's
2: smoking vapes and uh and uh and eating and eating
3: edibles. edibles yeah, yeah, but he's still and consuming he still consumes, but he just quit smoking flour, flour from something that we just heard.
7: And I'm still thinking about that answer. I'm just
3: Yeah, dead or alive. Well smoking big, with Willie's big. That's you know, that's one of the best. Yes. But, yeah, but dead or alive. You still maybe have, Bob Marley. Bob, you know
2: what's funny is Eben Britton said Bob Marley as well. Yeah. A lot, of, and a lot of the favorites are Bob Marley, and I think it's just because of the relationship of, yeah, of, of the plant, and I it mean, just makes.
3: Kyle said Jesus. Kyle said Jesus, which was a good one too. I was like, Jesus is great. Like he goes, I yeah, want to know was, why made. I was plant. thinking
7: that, but people go, me and Jesus. I don't know.
3: Hey, yeah. you never hey have a good conversation with him. You never know. No, you know he's I
7: mean? he's looked out for me this far. I'm gonna keep going. You know yeah. what I mean?
3: Maybe I would smoke
2: with him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I definitely would. Yeah, let's go. But Bob's
3: a good one as well. It's just funny to think how many people you were thinking like Bob, Jesus. Ah, oh, the Pope. Oh, who is it? My neighbor. No, no. My neighbor. <laughs> my hot neighbor across the street. <laughs> yeah, my, my buddy's wife in eighth grade. <laughs> well, Jim, is there anything else that you want to promote? Before, I, of course, Revenants and the new brand that you're doing. Anything else you got going on that you want to plug?
7: Other than that, CBD tape. Yeah. I think I think everything else is. Uh, do you have a
4: I'm website? Trying, I'm, or I'm
7: trying to narrow everything down so I don't have to do so much. I, I, you know I haven't had a job in years, but I, I don't have any time off. So. Right.
2: Yeah. You never have a job, but you never you, but you're never, yeah, uh, you I'm never gonna do, I'll be doing another interview here in about
7: 10 minutes.
3: So. Yeah.
2: Well, there you go. And make sure you
3: make some time to go golfing. Yeah, I
7: don't really want to play after this past weekend. I suck so bad. It was terrible.
3: Yeah, that was, it was t- my
7: my worst year in the 32. I've been up there.
3: Well, it's fun to watch you always on NBC up there in Lake Tahoe, right? That was Lake Tahoe, wasn't it again? Yes. Well,
2: yes. Su- Sunday, if you're if you're still in uh, Ramona area, let's 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 get Joe out there and, and you know. I like to swing
3: the sticks a little <laughs> bit, you know. What I mean, my handicap's coming down. I'm trying to get to the low one digits, but you know, slowly but surely. It's coming you're down. Tough, tough to make
7: money when you're you're always giving strokes.
3: <laughs> yeah, really, it is. I just literally got my son in some golf lessons, and I just took him this past week a couple of times. And we're just trying to get his shoulder to come down. And he's six, so he's just trying to learn and trying to stay bent. Butt out, chest down, turn the. Oh, it's just so fun. I'm like at six. If my pops would have taught me how to play at six, who knows how good I could be now? I'm like, I didn't learn toes in my fucking late twenties. Yeah, so,
7: nobody played golf back
3: then. Exactly. Well, thanks again. Well, you want to come meet him? Come shake his hand. Come buy some yes! of his weed. Seven thirty-six Mondocino Way, Ramona, California. Nine two zero six five is the location. Ramona Cannabis Co. Come meet Kyle Turley, Jim McMahon, Evan Britton, and Ricky Williams, and of course, Cannabis Talk One Hundred One will all be out there hanging out. Thank you so much, Jim yes. McMahon, for ha- having you on. It's been an honor. And uh, you know, when I got an email from you at Borderline, brought up tears for me. And I Almost cried in the office. Literally. Literally, because my father was a huge Bears fan. My house was very dysfunctional football family. My dad was a Bears fan. My brother was a Niner fan. My other brother's a Bronco fan, and I was a Cowboy fan. But my dad was a huge fucking Bears fan. And if he was alive, if I could have said, "Dad, you're never gonna guess who emailed me, let alone we have on the show." So it's a great honor, brother. Love to you. Love to your parents. Many more years for them, and uh, we look forward to seeing you on Saturday.
7: I appreciate it, guys. I look forward to it as well. Take
4: care. Thank
3: you so much. Thank you so
2: much. Well, there it is, is, guys. It's Cannabis Talk 101. And remember this, if no one else loves you, we we do. do.
1: Thank you for listening to Cannabis Talk 101 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.